you just bow your heads with me for just a moment? Just a moment. I'm gonna ask Ashley and Keith just sing a verse of Amazing Grace. Just won't you just close your eyes all over the room? Go ahead, Ashley. Sing that the sound that saved a wretch like me. Think about this verse. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was verse with praise God. Just lift your hands towards heaven and sing it out to him. Praise God. 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 sweet. Y'all, everybody in the house, shout amen. Come on now. God bless you. you. may be seated. Amen. It is his amazing grace. I'm going to tell you guys, that's, that's what we stand on today, the grace of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, as you move on into Apostle Paul crying out to God to remove this thorn in his flesh, and he tells him, he says, no, because it's in your weakness that my strength has been made perfect. And he goes on to tell him, my grace is sufficient for you. Why don't you look to your neighbor right now and say, his grace is sufficient. Go ahead and tell your neighbor that today. Now, the one you didn't care as much about, look to the other neighbor and say, his grace is sufficient for you too. If you have your Bibles today, turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And just want to talk to you this morning about what moves you. Just spent a lot of time over the last month in prayer and going back and forth between Jamaica and and different groups coming in and seeing just a different cross-section, a different spiritual culture amidst the different groups. The first week, of course, was a Joy FM group, and we had just a huge diversity in churches and belief systems. We've had Seventh-day Adventists that were uh, partnered up with us, some Catholics that partnered up with us, and seeing the word preached in, in these rural areas of Jamaica, we probably did somewhere around nine or ten different crusades. We've seen probably over 1,700, 1,800 young people and adults come to the Lord in these last three groups that we've had. And we've seen just lives change. But what was so cool to me is the week that we had our Northridge group uh, go, which was the, the group before the one that's there now, which pray for them. They'll be coming on on Tuesday. Was we spent a night, every single night, uh, unless we come in really late, we spent a night doing devotion. And we spend time kind of talking about issues that happened during the day, things that might have surfaced. And, and that night, God put something on my heart to talk about uh, fear and what it was that we're f- afraid of. And not even realizing all the while that we're all on level field when it comes to fears. We may act like, some of us are much, much, much better at hiding it. 
But the reality is, is we're all afraid of things. We're all afraid of, uh, of letdowns. We're afraid of all these different uh, situations in our life. And I came to the verse in Scripture in Acts chapter 20, and I want to read that with you for just a moment, that kind of gets where the Apostle Paul, going through this point of his life, where he's really being challenged at every corner by so many different influences in his life. And he comes down to a point, and I'm going to read that with you right now. If you start reading with me in Acts chapter 20, verse 19, where he comes to a point and speaks about none of these things moving him. And I really think today, this is what we need to stand on more than anything else in our country, anything else in our community, anything else in our home, in our schools, in our job, in our country, is the mandate that we have to be led by, guided by the force of the Holy Spirit of God. If we don't, then we're walking out in uncharted territories. We're walking out of His protection. Psalm 91.1 says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And if you look at an eagle, you see that an eagle will actually take her wings out and cover up her, her eaglets and she will cover them so that the storms come. It's deflecting all of the rain and all the wind and, and all of the things that could go on around them. And that's the picture of Psalm 91, that we're protected by the covering of God. But watch this. Hear me loud and clear. If you step outside of the will of God, the auspices of God, and step out into your own volition, your own will, you choose to step out of the covering of God's protecting and God's blessing. And that's what I believe that the church at large is doing in the culture that we live in today. We have stepped out of the covering of God. And watch this. When that happens, and you're going to see this today, we are moved and pushed and shoved around by the devices of the enemy. The Bible says that we need to know the devices of the enemy lest we be ignorant. Why? Because then we can be overtaken. And I want to challenge you today as we read these verses to kind of follow some of the things that the Apostle Paul writer of nearly two-thirds of the New Testament was dealing with as we go through these verses. Verse 19, Acts chapter 20, says, serving the Lord with all humility in mind, and listen to what he says, and with many tears, temptations, that word absolutely does not mean to be tempted like what we think, it means to be tried and tested, but he says, with many tears and temptations, which befell or came upon me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how, watch what he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. But have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, which is the way that they would have done churches, which is basically where we get our mandate for community groups. We believe that there can be great, incredible growth when we get into other people's homes, smaller group settings, because that's how the church started. That was the Acts church. But then when they came together, watch what happened. They were in one mind, in one accord, in one heartbeat, operating as one unit. And can I tell you today, can I be the one to declare this over your life? The enemy is an absolute unit unity today the enemy is not floundering he is not trying to gather the troops they're all operating like a well-oiled machine like a special forces special op unit of the military they know their job they know their mandate they know what they're doing but can I tell you this they also know that they're a defeated foe that their days are numbered and that's where our strength comes in listen what he goes on to say he says held nothing back from you and then he said testifying in verse 21 both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, speaking simply this. He says, I minister to everybody. Because you got to understand something. The gospel message came to the Jews by a Jew whose name was Jesus Christ. It came into the Jewish people. The Bible says that his own received him not. They declared him a, a blasphemer. They put him on the cross. Remember, it was the, the, the Jews' high priest that actually took him to, to Caiaphas, took him to Pilate. 
Remember, Pilate wanted to wash his hands of this innocent man's blood. And you remember what the Jews said? Well, then let his blood be on our hands and on our children and their children. And the generational curse ensued at that point. But for you and I, the Gentiles, who were in, all, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. The Greeks, of course, inclusive. They were the ones that were grafted in to the promise of God so that we may receive the same blessing that was promised to Abraham through the Abrahamic covenant. And watch what he says. He said, and, and, and I testify both to the Jews and to the Greeks, repentance towards God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 2, and I'm going to read on. And now, now when you see that, you've got to go above it and remember what he's just said. There's tears, there's difficulties, there's hardships, there's temptations, there's trials, there's tests. And if you study scripture, you realize that he wasn't just tested like you and I. He wasn't just pointing, somebody wasn't just pointing his finger at him. Guys, he was persecuted. He was stoned to death, actually, and dumped outside the city gates. He was shipwrecked twice. He was bitten by a serpent. He was in prison and ultimately beheaded for his faith some 15 to 17 years after writing this. Paul had a lot of things going on in his life. And then he says in verse uh, 22, and now, even in spite of those things, watch what he says. Behold, I go, I want you to underscore this. I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall or await me there, except that the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. The word abide means to dwell or to tabernacle or to constantly be upon him. He knew what he was going back to. Would you go back into the same place where you'd beaten up and persecuted? Would you befriend the same people that have hurt you, that have stoned you? The truth is, is we wouldn't do that in a million years. But Paul said, I go bound, I go wrapped up, I go encompassed by the Holy Spirit of God. He said, there's nothing else I can do because my mandate, hear me church, my mandate is to do what God has called me to do. Though he slay me, Job said, yet shall I trust in him. We have to have such a strong purpose in our life that none of those things can counteract what God has called us to do. And he says this, verse 24, and here's our text. But none of these things move me. And neither do I count my own life dear unto myself, underscore this, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word today that you hold above your own name. Help me today to rightly divide it in truth, with passion, and under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that lives would be changed today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. What moves you today? What drives your motor? What, what encourages you? What discourages you? Because the reality is, is when you can put your hand on the things that move you, you will very easily be able to go beside that and say, that is what also defines me. What moves you defines you. What defines you is what drives your decisions, your choices, your relationships. Everything about your life is predicated on those things that move you. Number one, are you moved by presuppositions? Are you moved by traditions and things you bring to the table? The reality is, is every single person on the sound of my voice, either in this room or listening or watching my podcast, every single one of us brings something to the table when we join a church. Every one of us. We bring traditions. 
Some of us are much more emphatic and dogmatic about that. I, I attended a church, and I'm thankful that I had this church over in LaGrange who, who I got called to minister under, but they emphatically, dogmatically believe that the only inspired text of Scripture is the King James Version. I, I'm not knocking that. That's fine. I prefer the King James because I prefer the Elizabethan language. I know where it came from. I get it. That's what I preach out of. But you will never hear me preach that if you are listening or, or, or learning under any other Scripture that it's not biblical because that's just not true but emphatically people will come to the table and say if you wear makeup you're going to hell if you don't wear your hair this way you're going to hell if your skirt goes above can I tell you something ladies wear makeup God made that it's okay wear it it's all good all the guys said amen (laughs) but listen (laughs) I love when my wife's not here I can say anything be careful church it's your presuppositions, the things you, listen, you may be 100% positive because grandmama back in the day taught you this, your pastor taught you this and brought you to this. You might be 100% positive that you're right. But can I tell you, you might be 100% positively wrong. And the problem with that is we're building stinking walls around and under the auspices of the church. The church should have no walls. They have fallen down. Can I get an amen? We have no walls. There was a bridge that was cast over the spans between you and God, and it's called the cross. Anyone, whosoever will, look to your neighbor and say, you're a whosoever. Whosoever will, let him come. And let him come in and ask of this drink, and I will give him of this water. And it will be a living water that will be a, so that he will never thirst again. He told that to the woman at the well. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery. Let us be really careful that we don't gather together all of these traditional values, presuppositions, bring them to the church, and think that God is somehow favoring our life. Let me tell you what they become. They become stones. And I don't mean cornerstones, and I don't mean pillars of the church. They become stones that you pick up and begin to throw at people. And here's the thing. Take those same stones and just bridge the gap that you and I have once broken. And here's the thing. If you read chapter 12 of Romans, it says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice that's what? Holy and acceptable unto God. Listen, how do you do that? By being transformed, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is the perfect will of God in your life. I want to say to the church, you might and I might need to start thinking a little different. I believe we live in perilous times. I can prove that to you in just a moment. But here's what we do. If we don't look at verse 33 of, of uh, Romans chapter 11, before we get to that Romans 12, 1 and 2, which we love to put our hands around that because it's a beautiful, quotable verse. But let me read to you chapter uh, 11, 33, three verses before that. Oh, the depth and the riches. And I'm going to read it the way it grammatically is written. How many teachers in here? You will really appreciate this. There's an exclamation point at the end of this verse. So I'm going to read it as it is said. Watch what he says in verse 33 of 11 of Romans. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Watch this. He says, that scared y'all. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Watch what he says. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. Can I tell you what he's saying? You and I have not cornered the market on the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And here's what he's really saying. There's three kinds of people. I preached this years and years ago. Three kinds of people in the world. There's those who stand on the shore of the beautiful ocean of tradition. And they wait for the waves to pass and, and break at all of their splendor and glory. And they'll build a sandcastle, and you can't come in. They'll build a sandcastle with a motor. I remember when I was a kid, my dad, we would dig holes. Man, I thought we were like hit a water main. We were digging so far down, water would come from the bottom of the thing. And we'd build this big wall around the outside in a moat. And, and you know those walls outside of castles are called rampart walls. And we would build these, I mean, like an operating, I mean, my dad was like a, a builder, you know, operating uh, uh, door that would come down. And we would not dare let anyone come in and kick it over. See, that's what we've done spiritually. We do it with music. We do it with what? Do you know, I ain't going to go there. Do you know, though, that people worry about what preachers wear when they preach? I don't, clearly. I got on silver shoes with yellow bottoms. Who cares? And, And here's the thing. We will do this. We will stand right here and we'll say, this is the way it is. This is the way it's been. This is the way it worked. Let me, let me bring your attention to a man named Moses who did that very thing. And God called him. He said, speak to the rock. Speak to the rock and bring forth water. And he brought forth water. So next time he told him, he said, now this time I want you to take your staff and strike the rock. You know what Moses was saying in his own mind? He says, you know what? I've done it this way before. I'm a little frustrated with all the murmuring going on. I'm not going to do what you call me to do because this is a tradition. This is the way we've done it. So I'm going to speak to it again and, or strike the rock. I got it backwards. And he did exactly opposite what God called him to do. And because of that, he did not go, get to go into the promised land. Can I tell you something? God may change it all up. You and I have to be sensitive to that. Music changes. Music is probably a pinnacle of this argument. Presuppositions. Here's the thing, though. You got those people standing on the shore and say, how dare you change anything? Because you see those beautiful waves breaking at me, coming over here. They're coming for me. And then you got those people called the wave riders. That's those people who are riding on the edge of the new. Man, there's a new song. Did y'all hear about that new song that came out? We got to do this new song. And they're riding the edge. Man, they're on the edge of it. Hey, did you hear about that new song Elevation Worship did? He'll song you know how to Jesus culture. Did you hear about this one that, that House Fire did? And, and, and we're riding the, the edginess of the new, the new. But guess what? All waves end up at the shore. At some point, you're going to be a shore stander, and you're going to be telling the next generation, this is the way we do it. This is what's in. And they're going to be saying, oh, no, no, you don't understand. There's something new. See, we don't need to be a shore stander. We don't need to be a wave rider. We need to be a depth diver. We need to get out there way past in the deep and the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom of God way before the waves ever start. Right there where the continental shift, where the waves begin to roll off, come to the surface and push with momentum all the way to the shore. We need to go down there. And can I tell you something? Anybody ever went diving before? Anybody ever went diving? When you go underwater, Derek, you go underwater. Listen, you can't hear anything. You can only see the beauty of what's going on when you have the right kind of mask and goggles on. Here's where we need to be. We need to put on spiritual eyes, shut out the noise of the world, get into the depths of God and say, God, what is your heartbeat for this generation? Because if we don't change, never, ever, ever change the message. The message of Jesus Christ is timeless. It doesn't need to be relevant. It is relevant for all times. We may dress different, and God, we will. And we may sound different. We may sing different songs. Hey, that's cool. We may change the method by laying down our presuppositions 
and picking up just the heart of God and say, God, what is it going to take to reach this generation? You might be moved by presupposition. Secondly, you might be moved by emotions. There's a lot of you in here that are moved by emotions. A lot of you. You get mad, you get angry, you get hurt, you get ticked off, whatever words I can't even say. You get so moved by something going on, and then you make life-altering decisions under an emotion that is going to change in two or three days to come. I can't tell you how many couples I have counseled where the husband and the wife sit across from me, and one of the spouses say, I don't love her, or I don't love him anymore. Really? Did you ever love him or her? Oh, yeah. Oh, I was madly passionate. Man, the first time I saw her, oh, my gosh, like the Commodore Brickhouse song came on in my head. I mean, I, I, yeah, that was the one for me. <laughs> Some of y'all are moved by music, right? Anyway. House. Can I tell you something? When people tell me that, here's what I do. Oh, so, so you used to love her. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, she was... She was the apple of my eye. Well, what if you change again, brother? Because you loved her then. You don't like her now. Maybe, just maybe, if you just do what God's calling you to do, rather than being moved by emotion, maybe God will give you a deeper love and a deeper passion that will outlive any emotion you'll ever have. We do that with relationships. How many of you guys had a best friend in high school that you no longer even talk to? How many of you had a best friend two weeks ago that you no longer even talked to? You know what I mean? People are fickle. People change like the wind. That's why it's so important that we're not driven or moved by emotion. Because when somebody hurts my feelings or your feelings, we tuck tail, we hold our head down, and we cannot live under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you something? Friends cannot define you. It's an emotional drive that will break you down and deplete your spiritual power that God wants you to have. Don't be driven by emotions. There's three parts of a person that lines up with us being made in Jesus' likeness. We are a trichotomy. You don't have to remember that word. Trichotomy. We're made up of three parts. We're made up of the body that you see, which is our flesh. You're made up of your spirit. And then you're made up of your soul. Your body is that which connects to the world, to the, to the things of this world, to your flesh. Your soul is who you are. That is what truly connects to who you are at its essence. That is your soul. And then there's that spirit. It's which connects you to God. You say, Mark, how can that be? Well, it's, it's very simple. In fact, the reality is when I die, this body will die with me. It will lay down. Be resurrected in the last day, but it will lay down. It will be the end of this vehicle I call the body. It will be laid down into the ground to go, ground to go back to the dust of the earth from whence it came. My soul is what's going to go to heaven if my spirit has been connected to God's spirit. That's why people can be spiritually dead but still be alive in their body. In fact, Galatians says it this way. It says in 15 of chapter 5, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, if we're driven by emotions, our flesh is going to be the drivetrain to everything in our life. It's going to be your engine. It's going to determine the outflow of your decisions. But watch this. But if I'm driven by my spirit, of which is connected to God, then I'm going to make decisions that are based upon godly decisions. 
Some of us are driven by presuppositions, others by emotion. Some of us are driven by current events or news. I was in and out of the country for the last few weeks, and, and I came back into Atlanta last night, and some of the Delta, it's bad when they start, hey, pastor, they know you like at the kiosk and stuff. That means you've been going back and forth too much. And, and the lady came up, she said, have you heard? Have you heard everything that's going on while you've been gone? I went, yeah, they got news over there too. I don't know what, they, what she thought. But yeah, but did you hear about this? Did you hear about the South Carolina things? Did you? Let me tell you something. Luke chapter 21, verses 7 through 18. Don't turn there. The disciples, and they asked him, saying, Master, but when will these things be? What will be the sign when these things shall come to pass? Speaking of the end of the earth. And he said, Take heed that you not be deceived or fooled. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and, and I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye, therefore after, go ye not therefore after them. But when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and great earthquakes shall happen in various places and famines and pestilence fearful sights and great signs shall be from heaven speaking of like the blood moons and the things that are going to happen with the sun but before all these things they shall lay their hands on you watch this you will be persecuted they will deliver you up in the synagogues of the churches and prisons being brought before kings and rulers in my name's sake and it shall turn away for you as a testimony settle it therefore in your hearts don't meditate before what you shall answer for i will give you a mouth and a wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Simply meaning this. Don't worry about what you're going to say when somebody approaches you. Just stand there and speak under the auspices and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And watch what he says. He says in verse 16, don't miss this. And you shall be betrayed both by your parents and your brethren and your kinfolk. And oh, this was going to get us. And our friends. And some of you shall they cause to be put to death, he says. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Well, watch this. But they shall not be able to touch a hair on your head. Watch what it says in verse 26 and following. I'm done. Men's heart failing them for fear. For looking after those things which are coming upon the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with all his power and great glory. And when these things come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads for your redemption draws near. It's already been told what's going to happen. Why are we blown away when we see a news uh, cast that comes on and says, this is what happened in this county. This is what happened here. People are killing babies here. People are, are cheaters here. You can't trust anyone in the pol politician's world. You can't do this. And, oh, now the Supreme Court. Can I tell you something? The Supreme Court is not your absolute finally final deciding factor in your life. No, no, no. That is not what governs me. I'm governed by the Word of God that tells me perilous times will come. There will be wars. There will be rumors of wars. There will be pestilences. There will be famines. You're not going to feed everybody. You're not going to change everybody. You're not going to get them to get it all right. The chances of, listen to me, and I say this without any reservation, the chances of us seeing a great new political leader who is reverence and fearful of God is slim and none. And the truth is, peace will come to this earth. You can rest assured of that. But it will come when the Prince of Peace comes back in all his splendor and all of his glory. But what do we do? Because if I'm moved by the things going on in current events, 
then I'm just flailing around, man, move from pillar to post, and I have no joy. And one of the, one of the friends on our, on our team, she shared with us very, very privately, so I won't call her name, that she had had a lot of panic attacks and a lot of things that she had dealt with. And many of you have that. It's overwhelming, and you can't. I know some people are like, hey, man, just, just deal with it. Okay, No, you can't. It's, it's real. Isn't it real? It's real when you panic and you can't control your breathing and all these things begin to overtake you. But let me tell you what happens. She confessed it before God and before friends, and we prayed. And you know what? She hasn't had a panic attack since, and God has set her free out of that. Some of you watch the news today and next week, and you—I mean—you're glued to it. Like, what, what are we going to do now? Let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to get on our face and we're going to pray that God would use us in these perilous times. Hey, can I tell you something? God is calling the church to rise up today more than ever. As the band makes their way back up, He's calling you to rise up. But here's the the problem: many of us are moved by fear. Many of you in this room are the same as our group was two weeks ago. You're regulated, you're, you're, you're driven, you're defined by the fears. The fears of failure, the fears of approval, the fear of the enemy. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And many of you stop there. But there's a common. Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life. And you may have it how? Say it with me. More abundantly. You look into Job's life. Job was a man above men. The Bible says that Job was mature and perfect. Speak, speaking of spiritual maturity. And you know the story. Job's children were killed. Job lost his wealth. Everything that, that drove him. He lost his property. His homes imploded. Ultimately, the one person he should have been able to turn to, he sat there and he, he's maybe just kind of waiting for his wife to speak some positivity. She said, curse this God you serve and die. Basically calling him to take his life, to commit suicide. Job chapter 3, verse 25. We speak a lot about Job, the patience of Job. Job said, though he slay me, yet shall I trust in him. We see where he went down and on his face and he worshiped God after he lost all of those things. But Job chapter 3, verses 24, 25, and 26, you know what it says? It says, the things, I'll tell you what I'll read it to you. I think I got it. It says, the things that I feared the most have come upon me. Did you hear that? All that Job went through in his life very possibly were the things that Job spoke about to his closest friends and maybe his wife. Maybe that's why those three or four friends came by and continued to tell him, hey, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. This is what you need to do. You need to repent. And they're all trying to help him. Because just maybe, just maybe, Job was the guy that's walking around going, man, I hope I never lose my kids. Man, they are so important to me. Man, I don't want to lose my children. My kids are awesome. And man, my grandkids, man, this is an awesome life. And man, I love looking across the way and see all those horses and all those cattle and all those oxen up there. Man, I got land. I got so much land that, you know, I praise God for that land. But I can walk from one end to the other and I can't even do it in a month. It's so big and so vast. Job would have made Bill Gates look like a pauper. 
He had everything. But maybe, just maybe, according to chapter 3 of the book of Job, verses 24 and 25, maybe along the way he was saying, God, you're awesome. And he's, and he's making sacrifices and he's praying for his ch- children. But maybe he's speaking it out loud. Man, I sure hope I never lose this land. Man, that would really devastate me if I lost this land. Do you realize you and I have life and death in the power of our tongue? And the things we speak over our life are very much the things that we equip the enemy to come against us with? I hope he don't call on me to pray. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call on you to pray. If God should move me to. I'm not going to do that, but check this out. The things that you're fearful of, the Bible says... You've not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You have not been given by God a spirit of fear. You should fear nothing except fearing God, the one who created you, the one who is the judge of all things. And if you're right with him, then that means when God looks down from heaven, he sees only Jesus' blood having been applied to your life. And the righteousness of Christ is who you are. And you don't have to have fear for judgment. Because I will stand at the bema seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, not to be judged based on heaven or hell, but based upon those things that I did for his honor and for his glory that no one knew about, that didn't burn up in the trial of fire of wood, hay, and stubble. No, that's, well, I'm not afraid of that because my place is already seated in heavenly places heaven is my home I'm a child of the most high God I'm the son of Bill and Jennifer Pritchett not because I'm a good guy not because I did something right I'm a son by birth and you are a child of God by birth nothing can take that from you there is no fear in this world for me to have hey what if somebody comes and takes your life you'll be standing face to face with the one who made you redeemed you and who encourages and and empowers you oh no 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 death is not the worst that can happen not for the child of God I'm going to say this to you because I believe this is for somebody in here today Some of you will never step out or haven't stepped out. Let me speak life over you. Some of you have not stepped out this far in your life spiritually because you're afraid of failing. But can I say to you, it will never be until you risk failing and losing everything in this life. When you put it all on the table for the glory of God, risk it all, that he will promote you and remove that fear from your life. Some of you, and I I hear this, some of you have not come down to this altar and prayed because you're terrified, literally frozen by fear of what somebody might say. Let me tell you what somebody might say. Somebody might see you get up and walk down there, and it might be the very thing that they're saying, if she goes, I'm going. Some of you are afraid and fearful of what others think about you. Personal accolades. Can I tell you something? I will never, ever in my life give anyone the power over me to determine my joy. I want you to like me. I want to be your friend. I want to be an encourager. But I will fail you. And what has to drive me is what God has called me to do. And to make sure I don't fail Him. Don't be afraid of that. And the last thing, and I'll close. 
Can you, have you, will you be moved by the Holy Spirit? Remember what Paul said in that verse? Now, I go bound by the Holy Spirit knowing the things that await me there. Knowing the trials and the temptations. And ultimately, I believe he knew his impending death. But I go bound, I go wrapped up in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my guide. It's my drawing force. It's my covering. It is my mandate. It's my hope. It's who, it's who I am, Paul says. And I'm going to Jerusalem no matter what. And here's what he said. That I may finish my course with joy. He purposed in his heart some 15 years before. I will finish my course. I will finish my purpose. Fear, it has no realm in my life. Presuppositions, I used to kill Christians. I'm moving that to the side. Failure, oh, I failed many times. He said, I'm the chief, chiefest among sinners. Everything Paul could have feared or moved him, he said, none of these things move me because I'm going bound by the Holy Spirit. And here's my, jo- here's my joy. I want to finish the course that God has set before me. And then over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 19, 11, and 12, that's why in the last days and weeks of his life, he's in a Roman prison awaiting his beheading for his faith. And he says this, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith church how did he finish his course how did he keep joy and faith because what moved him was the only thing that could keep him and that was the Holy Spirit of God what moves you today you got a problem with your temper you're allowing something else to move you you're a controlling person you got a problem with panic attacks you need to trust the Lord and know that he has guided your steps and he will be the light beneath your path you got a fear with forgiveness bitterness in your heart you got an issue of forgiving yourself you need to realize that his sacrifice is greater than any sin you've ever committed you got issues with your spouse wives you just need to do Ephesians 5 22 submit yourself and your own husband as unto the Lord yeah but he's an idiot Mark he doesn't love the Lord he won't even come to church well then doggone it step up and be the Proverbs 31 wife and be the blessing and the honor that this world will call him blessed your children will rise up and call you blessed because of your faithfulness hey I'm a product of Proverbs 31 wife I'm in church today serving the Lord today because my wife didn't give up she continued to serve him even when I wouldn't There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to move us except that which can save us, comfort us, keep us, guide us, and ultimately has redeemed us. Every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room. What moves you today? There's no question we've hit a nerve with each of you today through the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. What will you do with that? Do you know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior? If you don't know Him today, How about today? Make today the day of salvation. You're not promised another second in this life. Would you pray with me from your heart to God? And He'll save you right where you sit. Say, dear God in heaven, I'm a sinner. And I believe in Jesus. That He died on a cross for my sin. My sin of yesterday, of today, and even sins that I've yet to commit. I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Be the Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. To be moved by you. Until the day you call me home. 
In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed today and asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, would you right now, without any ounce of hesitation, lift your hand right now. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. All right. The rest of you, is there something you're fearing? Is fear regulating your life? If that's you today, without any hesitation, you got fears in your life. You know it. You know it as soon as I said it. I want you to lift your hand right now. Fears all over the room. Lift them up high. Lift them up high. Let God see them. Men, women, boys and girls, hold your hand up high if you're fearful of something. And it's driving you. It's driving you. Put your hands down. How many of you say, Mark, I'm moved. Yeah, I'm moved. I'm moved by a lot of things going on. Maybe some you mentioned, some you didn't. I'm moved by a lot of things other than the Holy Spirit. If that's you, lift your hand right now. Lift it up. I'm moved by lots of things in this world. Here's what I want you to do. If you lifted your hand up today, I'm going to stand right down front. Once you come and lay that thing at the altar of God and say, God, here, I give it to you. I'm not going to pick it up again. This fear, this, this running my life, this fear of losing, this fear of failure, this fear of tradition, this fear of being embarrassed, this fear of losing something. I give it to you, God, and I want to walk under the power of the Holy Spirit so that I may finish my course with joy. Everyone in the room, if you would, please stand. Everyone standing. I'm going to stand right here. If God has spoken to your heart today. Maybe you want to lay down a fear. Maybe you want to step out of a, a rut that you're in. The altar's open. If you gave your life to Jesus, the altar's open. The church doors stand open today. If you want to come and be a part of our Northridge home, the family, we'd love to have you. But if God has just merely spoken to you about something else that's been moving you, I want you to come and just shake my hand and turn and walk away. Just to say, God, I heard from you today, and I'm leaving it with you.